Hello, my name is Evie, and I grew up with a story. During the Second World War, my great-granddad was put on a boat like many other young men his age. However, he wasn't like the rest of them. He was told to change his name to save his life, but he didn't because he was proud of it. When his ship was captured by Nazis, his name became a death sentence, so at gunpoint he only gave his service number. For three days straight, that was all he was, his number. Thankfully, he was liberated and able to return home. He went on to marry and have three children, four grandchildren, and five great-grandchildren, including me. His name was Juden, the German word for the Jews. This name may not be mine, but the legacy of pride in it has followed me my entire life, on my journey with Judaism and my navigation of the atrocities of the Holocaust. I'm sharing this to explain why I feel this episode is so important, because the Holocaust is not only about the lives lost, but those that learned that survival is the greatest revenge. In today's episode, we'll be exploring International Holocaust Memorial Day, which is held annually on the 27th of January to honour the 6 million Jews and 5 million non-Jews persecuted under the Nazi regime in World War II. Holocaust Memorial Day continues to be important in advocating against genocide, standing against intolerance and discrimination. Today I'm joined by the president of the Jewish Society for Belfast, Rhiannon. Do you want to introduce yourself, Rhiannon? So I'm Rhiannon. I run the JSOC at Queen's, which I've been doing for a couple of years now. Am I right in saying that Queen's has actually got the smallest JSOC? In... No, it doesn't actually. No? Um, Limerick is the newest one oh. on this island, so they're tiny at the moment. Um, we are smaller than Cork and Dublin, but um, we've grown quite a lot. So when I took it over, we had nine people. And I think we're currently up to about 40. So we've grown quite yeah, considerably in the couple of years that I've been running it. Uh, definitely. And I know you're getting involved with Holocaust Memorial Day, commemorating it through events this week uh, and next week, I believe. Yeah. So, um, um, so can you explain more about that? We are holding a fundraiser in the Students' Union lobby. Um, I think we're selling cakes. So we're fundraising for the Holocaust Educational Trust, who are the ones that are responsible for getting the Holocaust on the curriculum. So they do incredible work. And we're fundraising for Yad Vashem UK. So Yad Vashem is, I think it's the largest genocide studies museum and institution in the world. And they're the ones that, that hold these seminars every single year and educate people every single year. So I think you'll agree with me, these are incredible trusts that do amazing work. So I'm really pleased that the SU is supporting us with that. And all the proceeds will, will go to those two trusts, which I think is incredible. So I'm really pleased that the SU is supporting us with that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really encouraging to see just how much, because I was expecting when I came to Northern Ireland, I was previously studying in Birmingham, I was kind of hesitant to see if anything was going to be done. And I'm really encouraged by how much the Northern Irish community has really engaged with Holocaust memorialization. I think growing up in my tiny town outside of Portsmouth, Holocaust was something that very much people didn't want to engage with because it made them sad and didn't necessarily understand that it fed into a lot of the ways that they interacted with minority communities in their relationship with refugees, for example. And I think coming to a community where I was aware that the Jewish community is so small in, in Northern Ireland, to have still that support there, it's, it's really encouraging and really lovely to see. Definitely, yeah. I mean, we're trying to keep it alive in the university. So. Um, and we've got more and more people joining the Jewish Society every year, which is great. Um, it's a community that a lot of us won't have had. We would have been the only Jewish person coming from our school. I didn't have many Jewish friends growing up. So I think that's a story that we're all quite familiar with. But it's a great community here. It's really brilliant. And we've got, I mean, it's one synagogue in the whole country, but 
we've got it um, and we've got people that do care about the Jewish community here and that's great to see. When it comes to Holocaust memorialization, obviously it's a really big part of, of Jewish history and, and the Jewish community's just way of life. Can you maybe elaborate more on like why it's important for not just the Jewish community and the communities impacted to commemorate and memorialise the Holocaust? Well, the Holocaust wasn't just the murder of six million Jews. That's what most people would associate it with. But it was a lot of minority groups as well. And the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust um, that run a lot of these events and, and run a lot of Holocaust memorialization. they remember four other genocides as well. And they educate about memorialising genocide so that it doesn't happen again. But it is marked on the 27th of Jan every year because that's the liberation of Auschwitz-Birkenau. Um, but uh, it's about like keeping their memory alive, honouring survivors. Um, and Darfur, Cambodia, Rwanda and Bosnia, really important to remember as well. Yeah, I say, um, are you with me at the Holocaust Memorial uh, Day service in Northern Ireland? And I was quite surprised with um, just kind of how in-depth they go with other genocides. Like they were commemorating 30 years of... The Rwandan genocide, and it is quite mind blowing. I think to a lot of, particularly my parents' generation. I was born in two thousand. That they live through that, and they don't really have the same kind of understanding of it that they probably would consider. So this year's theme is fragility of freedom. So it's not just talking about the things that went on in the concentration camps. It was the slow progress of restricting the freedoms of the targeted races and ethnic minorities or social groups that the Nazis deemed lesser, non-valuable and needing to be exterminated. So when we kind of think of fragility of freedom, what does that kind of make you think of when it comes to Holocaust memorialization? Like how have you explored the theme as a Jewish person, as someone active in the Jewish community? Well, I think Jewish freedom has always been quite fragile. Um, maybe not so much as it was during Nazi Germany. Um, I mean, we heard the excerpt from Anne Frank's diary, um, which is quite harrowing. We do have more freedom now, but I think growing up Jewish, you probably would have this experience as well. It's very fragile. I mean, you've been made to read like The Merchant of Venice at school and you've, you've watched Harry Potter with like the goblins in the bank. Like anti-Semitic tropes are everywhere and you don't pick up on that when you're not Jewish, but when you are, it's everywhere. And so you've got the experience of educating your friends about why that's not okay to say and when dark humour is too much. Like that's your job is to educate from such a young age. Um, I remember reading The Boy in the Striped Pajamas when I was in year one. I was seven. I don't remember not knowing about the Holocaust, not knowing about my history. So I wouldn't say that we're in a fragile position at the moment, but freedom is always quite fragile, which I think is really scary, especially as we're young adults and we've been, we've been growing up with this sense of our freedom is not take, to be taken for granted. Yeah. And like, especially with how the media kind of interacts with the Holocaust. I remember I got into an argument recently with my auntie because um, we were discussing, she's a teacher, and she was saying about how she was, uh, the school was planning to do Holocaust Memorial Day. I come from an interfaith family, so this auntie isn't actually Jewish. And she was saying, oh, we're going to just probably put on boy in striped pyjamas. And for me, I have a massive, it's the, my villain origin story because it's inaccurate. It wasn't written with any understanding or in-depth research into the Holocaust. And also it, it's a fictional story. And I find that when I speak to my non-Jewish friends about how the, mo the movie is portrayed in the storyline and, and spoiler alert, 
the the both boys die in the end. But I said, when you look at what you're crying over, because everyone cries at that movie, you're not crying for the for the Jews that have died or the the Gypsy Roma Traveller community members that have died or the the groups targeted. You're crying about the boy that shouldn't have died but did die. And so, like, I'm wondering how do you navigate Holocaust memorialization in the media when there are really inaccurate portrayals of the Holocaust and how does that impact Holocaust education? I think with the Boy in the Strap Pajamas in particular, obviously it's not perfect, um, but it's a starting point and we need starting points. We need Holocaust Memorial Day is about educating people that aren't necessarily Jewish, aren't necessarily acquainted with what happened. When you're Jewish, you know, you know from a very young age, you know about the Shoah. Holocaust Memorial Day is about educating people that don't. And so if it's a film that's going to inspire them to learn a little bit more, that's going to inspire them to pick up a book, going to inspire them to talk to their pet family about it. How did this happen? You know, that's a starting point and that's what we need. Because, I mean, we saw on Tuesday the film by the Belfast Met students, short 10 minute film about Otto Goldberger, a Holocaust survivor, and it was narrated by Melvin Goldberger, his son. You've got young students doing their own, doing their own reading and their own analysis and their own reflection on what happened. And that is going to inspire a whole new generation of historians or law students or you know that is going to kickstart that education for a new generation and I think that's so important um so I think tv and film and media while it can be inaccurate can hinder holocaust education to an extent it's a starting point and that's so important and we really need that it shouldn't just be the direct descendants of those that were murdered in the holocaust to keep their memory alive it should be for everyone um and I was so pleased to see so many people at that event on Tuesday um, to see that it, it means so much to so many people, not just the few Jews that we have living in Northern Ireland. So, um, yeah, that was not nice, but it was good to see that the memory is being kept alive of those that were murdered and those that are still with us today. Yeah. So also a big part that I find really linked with the Holocaust is just the amount of disinformation out there about Jewish life. And I think sometimes when it comes to explaining to my non-Jewish friends, especially as someone who grew up, I went to a secular school. I, I was the only, as far as I'm aware, the only Jewish student in the school. Um, I found it really hard to navigate conversations with certain people given it was a very, let's say, patriotic and nationalist kind of area of England. And some of the conversations were why should I still care about this? It's been it's been seventy five years, or it's been so and so many years. Why why do we need to keep banging on about it? Like, how do we respond to that? How do we make sure that people are still engaging in tolerance towards Jews and not just it being Holocaust Memorial Day? We've done that. Moving onward, I think you're always going to have people that want to switch off, that don't want to listen to it, and that's why it's so important to keep these events alive, to keep commemorating every single year. I mean, Holoca the Holocaust is on the curriculum now. It was put on there by a trust, the Holocaust Educational Trust, that we're actually supporting with our fundraiser in the SU next week. And, and just having that on the curriculum is a kickstart of a conversation. So if you have it on the national curriculum alongside things like the Tudors or any, any other period of history, some people aren't going to care, but some people are going to really take an interest in it. And that's what you need. You need someone to care um, and someone to become a regional Holocaust ambassador. You need just things like that. Just one person can really make the change. One film, um, one newspaper article to make people actually care about it. Um, we are reaching a point now where we've got about 400,000 Holocaust survivors left in the world. 
which might sound like a lot, but I think that's the same as about the population of the Bahamas, which really isn't a lot at all. And we're running out of survivors that that have a personal connection to this. And soon the only stories that we can, we hear are going to be secondhand, which personally I think is terrifying. But that's why it's so important to keep commemorating the Holocaust and to it has implications in everyday life now, what we're seeing in Gaza. So if people don't care about the fact that 6 million Jews are murdered, which is horrifying, but if they don't care about that, they're going to care about another minority group that was persecuted. They're going to care about what's happening in the world today. And we can learn from genocide. We can learn so much from genocide. So it's so important just to keep some thread of it alive, hopefully all threads, but just to keep one thread of it alive. And it has such massive implications for the way we live now, even though it was only you know 75 years ago. It has so many implications in the way we live and the way Jewish people live, the way the people were persecuted live. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think as well, one thing that really kind of strikes me is how I feel like Holocaust memorialization is is really like we were discussing at the Holocaust Memorial Day service. I, it kind of is the bare minimum for interaction with the Jewish community. Like I've, I've met many people and I've been the first Jew of many a person. Um, and I think a lot of the time having that background knowledge in kind of this struggle that the Jews have been through, this was not the first pogrom against us. It was certainly not going to be the last, unfortunately, and anti-Semitism very much is still alive. Um, I'm thinking as well about teaching about anti-Semitic tropes. You spoke about like, obviously in Harry Potter, it was very clear that the goblins were fitting into so many categories. Um, and there's obviously been a lot of discussions about this um, with the current events going on in Israel, Gaza. Do you think that we have a kind of narrow focus on only the camps when we're talking about Holocaust education and less so about propaganda, the fragility of the freedoms, like the laws that were put in place that restricted Jewish in existence, essentially? Do you think that Holocaust education can go maybe a little bit further in that? Or do you think that it's just more like kind of where you are and how you learn it. I think it can go further, but it depends where you look. When we're introduced to the Holocaust, if you're not Jewish, it's when you're in year three, year four, you're about 10 or 11. Um, so you can't, although a lot of the children that died were that age, and that's terrifying to think about, you can't tell those young children absolutely everything. If you're not Jewish, you're exposed to it at a lot younger age because that's your history. But uh you have to keep it age appropriate. When you get older, you you learn a, a bit more of the complexities. You learn about it in depth as the way it should be. And the Holocaust Educational Trust run a program and the Abhishem UK run a program that educates people from any background everywhere. And that's in Jerusalem. And I think 300,000 people attend that every single year. And that will, will share everything. How propaganda can spread and how these anti-Semitic tropes gain traction. Because as you know, Anti-Semitism didn't start in the Holocaust, you all know this, it's one of the oldest forms of racism. So I think you have to keep it age-appropriate to an extent, but as you learn more about it, as you, you go to these seminars and you do your own research, um, Holocaust education goes a very long way. And we're still learning about it, we're still learning, we're still uncovering new truths, we're still hearing survivor testimonies that, that deepen our knowledge. I think the scholars that are working in this field and the trusts that are working in this field are doing an excellent job. And it's a scary subject, so I think they're handling it very well. You've still got a lot of young people that, that are caring about this and want to spread the message. I've met a lot of young people since moving here that really do care about Holocaust education, and they're not Jewish. 
So that's that's great to hear that people do still want to keep the survivor memory alive and the memory of those that were murdered alive. So that's great to hear. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, like from my experience, so I in year nine, we went on a trip to Auschwitz-Birkenau and Auschwitz-Ein and being there most definitely was very formative for me, not only in kind of navigating my Jewish heritage and my connection to that community and that culture, but also it was really fundamental in me understanding that this can happen and it can happen again and that freedom is so fragile. And I think I always say to everyone I meet, like if I have children, I will be taking them there when they're around 14, 15, because that's how old I was, because I felt like I was able to process it. And it is disgusting to see and it is heartbreaking to see but I think sometimes we need to realize just how low human morality can go definitely to be able to actually address it as a subject I'm a human rights law student that's you know what I want to do I want to be addressing that I think also when we're considering the holocaust I think there's also sometimes from certain maybe groups that weren't impacted by the Holocaust, so groups outside of the the targets of the final solution. Um, maybe I think there's a level of disconnect that the Holocaust has really left a strong trauma. It's It seeps through generations. And I think the Holocaust survivor that uh, gave the talk at the Northern Ireland Holocaust Memorial Day service, he was talking about how even though he was not um, escaped the camps, that wasn't the end of, of, of the persecution that he felt or the trauma that he experienced. He was removed from his parents and put into an abusive care home because they deemed their parents like un- incapable of managing them, you know, and he went on to produce the Holocaust Survivor Centre in Northern London. Uh, and I think that's a thing that I try and explain to no- non-Jewish friends. And I find that if there is a link to another minority that has been oppressed within my friendship groups, like if they identify as a person of color or potentially somebody who has been a targeted group, it's kind of easier to explain that 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 level of trauma is there and that level of trauma has been there for, for multiple generations. We're not scared of being run out of the country just because of the Holocaust. It's, it's a multiple incident thing and so I'm kind of wondering how do we explain that the trauma of the Holocaust didn't stop on the 27th of January 1945 it it really seeped through and how do we keep that in mind when we're doing Holocaust education we're definitely right there's an element of generational trauma um, and unless you've experienced that you can't quite get it but we just need to keep talking about it what you said about going to Auschwitz and really feeling that it was real I've heard so many people say that and there are charities that that take anyone from any background to Auschwitz-Birkenau, walk them through the gates. Um, I, I've never been personally, but from what I've heard, it's a harrowing experience. And that is when it's really clicked for so many people. So I'm pleased that those charities exist that take people there so that if that's what it takes to make you realise really what happened and that it was real, it's not just something that happened in a history book, then that's what we'll keep doing. We'll keep encouraging people to go, not just in the UK, but all around the world, these charities take people to Auschwitz. So I think that's great. Um, just to keep talking about it and keep reminding people that, as you say, this didn't end when Auschwitz was liberated, anti-Semitism continues to this day. That's that's really rough at the moment. 
but we just need to keep talking about it and pushing through it and and hearing from survivors to keep the testimonies alive and to keep reminding people that this can never happen again. Yeah, definitely. Like one thing I always say to kind of explain the situation to my non-Jewish friends is not every generation of my family has necessarily practiced every single mitzvah of Judaism, but every single generation of my family has been impacted by anti-Semitism, has been a victim of it, including myself in today's day and age. And it maybe isn't the same extent to what my great-grandfather went through when he was serving in the Navy and was captured by the Nazis, but it's still something that chips away at you. And again, it makes you feel just so much more vulnerable. And I think that in a time period now where we see that that vulnerability and that fragility of the freedom can really be just taken away just over realistically overnight because that's what happened in Nazi Germany and that if this one little bit of prejudice it's not just a joke it's not just you know bit of banter that it it really does chip away at you and also just how you interact with the world and how you interact specifically outside of your own community groups you know there's there's a really strong bond that I noticed when I did a summer internship with Renee Kassin, which is the Jewish Voice of Human Rights. And I really noticed there's a really strong level of community allegiance and community solidarity between the minority groups oppressed, between the Jewish and the Gypsy Roma traveler community. And I think that it's trying to explain the unexplainable to people that have never experienced that it gets a bit difficult but i think you're totally right we need to just keep pushing forward and keep the memory of it alive because it is just so vital for our understanding of kind of in the future of how we interact with people i think also a big part that i think a lot of people forget with the holocaust education is how much it interacts with our understanding of refugees and how so many Jews in the 1930s fled Germany far before they, they started the camps, far before they even had the meeting on the final solution. There was this level of, I always say, you know, we have that Jewish gut instinct of this isn't right, I need to get out of here, you know, and it's something that we've done before. Um, a lot of, it's my understanding that a lot of the Jews living in, in Central Europe had actually fled previous pogroms from elsewhere. So it's very much something that we had experienced before, uh, not to quote Taylor Swift, but kind of. I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. Um, how do we kind of interact that with our current understandings of refugees? Because we have that generational trauma of being refugees from, from, from the Holocaust and from other pogroms. How do we kind of use that generational trauma, I guess, from the Holocaust to guide us in Holocaust education and also, I guess, with human rights advocacy? I think just understanding that it can happen to any of us, that as you say, for our ju- fragility of freedom, it's it's everywhere. Um, it, the the anti-Semitic tropes and tropes of um, discrimination against any group, um, it can grow at any time and it can be weaponized at any time. And so well, as we're growing up, young Jewish girls and boys and growing up with this idea that we don't quite belong, that we've come from somewhere else, that it's something to be proud of, but also that we're never really going to fit in. Um, and so you end up 
being the only Jewish child in your school and you come to university and you meet people that have the same story, it's the same everywhere, um, that we stick together because we've grown up being the only Jewish person in a room, the only Jewish voice, the only Jewish advocate. We advocate for for those groups that are underrepresented as well, for refugees, for minority groups that don't have someone to speak for them. So we just need to stick together and advocate for everyone. And I think that's why remembering the Holocaust is so important as well, because it wasn't just against Jews, it was against a lot of minority groups. And we all need to advocate for each other in times that discrimination is rampant and anti-Semitism and other forms of racism are growing again, which is really scary because they never truly went away. And that's why Renee Kassin, the the charity that you mentioned, is so important. Um, Human rights lawyers that are speaking up for everyone that is underrepresented. Vital, absolutely vital. I think also it's so important that people realise that this just isn't, it isn't the burden necessarily or, you know, the responsibility of the minority groups affected. You know, it's not just on the Jewish community. It's not just on the Gypsy Roma Traveller community. It's not just on the LGBTQ plus community to educate the, the world on this. I think that's one thing that I've noticed in the more recent kind of my, like, more understanding of Holocaust education. And as we said in the Northern Ireland Holocaust Memorial Day service, it wasn't just Jews. It wasn't just the people that had been impacted by it, the people that came with their generational trauma. It was people from across the board of religions and ethnicities and nationalities even. And I think it's so vital that we continue to demand better of everyone just because you weren't impacted by it that's the fragility of freedom that the Holocaust Memorial Day Foundation and Trust is is talking about is if it can happen here, it could happen to you. Like it's it it could it could have been your problem. It wasn't, but it could be. You know, intolerance breeds the perfect foundation for genocide. It breeds the perfect foundation for the continued persecution and potential extermination of an ethnic group. And to me, I think I I struggle to understand mora- morally why people would go to that extent. But I think that if you actually talk to a lot of people, they they would very much agree. I don't see how that could happen. And I remember being in my final year of university and having a housemate turn around to me and being like, I don't understand how it happened. And it's kind of like, well, is it my job to educate you on that? Like... That's, I think, why education is so fundamental and having it on the curriculum is so fundamental because it can't just be the burden on your Jewish friends to explain the Holocaust as much as it shouldn't be a burden on your black friends to explain racism. You know, we need to be all be actively fighting these levels of intolerance through education. But people should care, but you, you know, you try as hard as you can to get people to care when their backs are turned. And that's, I think that's all you can do. There's only so much that one person can do there's only so far you can push yourself to get people to care and it does become exhausting after a while um but I think we just need to keep pushing for it yeah yeah definitely I think the holocaust memorial day is a really good chance to get attention for intolerance for fighting against intolerance for fighting against uh discrimination and I think that it's got so many resources out there so I think by, by now, when I, when I hear someone kind of go, oh, I'm not, you know, I haven't heard anything of it. It's like, it's out there. You just got to look for it. And I think it's really encouraging to see that people are moving into action and not standing by as a bystander. Because I think, especially looking at Holocaust history, 
being a bystander doesn't doesn't get anything you know you it, it's dangerous sometimes it's not going to be easy but you need to speak up for what's right and it's really encouraging to see that people are engaging that and not not believing to be a bystander in a world with with staggeringly high anti-semitism staggeringly high islamophobia and intolerance and racism anti-lgbtq plus rhetoric all throughout the media that people are taking a stand and going no i'm not doing this you know look at where this led us and it didn't it didn't help anyone so let's continue to move forward and promote tolerance and promote community cohesion because i think that's the only way that we're going to have hopefully a generation of you know jewish students who don't feel like they're the only jew in the room crying for some kind of recognition of of the struggles Thank you very much for joining us, Rhiannon. It's been lovely to see you. And if people wanted to get more information about the Jewish Society at Belfast, uh, is there is it on the UGS website? We are on the Queen's website, the uh, Queen's SU Clubs and Societies page. We are on the UJS page, which is the Union of Jewish Students. Um, we've got a Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can email me, Rhiannon. Um, but yeah, we're out there. Please get in touch. Great. Thank you so much.